HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, September 2nd. This is the 76th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guests are a talented photographer and chef from Down Under, who found a mutual connection through fine dining and fine golf, and I will introduce them in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to take risks. Don't be afraid to try new things. Whether it's switching jobs or career directions or working for yourself, if it's what you desire. It may seem scary to do something different, but you'll never know what could have been unless you give it a try. So think about what you want out of life and go for it. That's my tip today. Now, I have a terrific Australian duo here. First, author and photographer Diana DeLucia, who specializes in food and golf photography. Her book, Golf Club World Behind the Gates, covers some of the world's most incredible golf resorts, and she has an upcoming book, Golf Kitchen, which we'll hear more about today. My second guest is Executive Chef Rye Waddington of Winged Foot Golf Club in Mamaronek, New York. Rye previously worked in San Diego, where he was voted one of the top five chefs in Southern California. He started in the kitchen in Australia, where he opened a still-thriving farm-to-table restaurant on his parents' 850-acre property. So welcome, my Aussie friends. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Sherry. <laughs> Great to see you again. Great to see you, too. Um, for people who don't know this, and 
probably nobody knows this. Well, people I've told, but <laughs> Diana takes the credit for the photo of me that I use on my my all in the industry logo where I'm walking down the streets in New York. Everyone always looks at it and says, that's my sex in the city photo. <laughs> and um, it is. And you are amazing photographer who's taking headshots for me. And I'm, I, I love my logo and I love that I was able to use that for it. I love that photo too. You did a great job that day. Yeah, no, you did a great <laughs> job that day. <laughs> but um, it was fun. We'll have to do another one. So, Let's talk about your backgrounds, how you how you got started in the food industry and then eventually to the golf world. Do you want to start a little with your background, Diana? Um, Sherry, as you know, um, I had a background in the magazine industry in New York City with the Restaurant Insider, which was an industry magazine, and that was how we met each other. And we closed that magazine, unfortunately, in 2010, and that kind of led me to a change in career, as you mentioned um, with your quote then. So I wanted to illuminate areas of dining that weren't really covered back in those days, and that led me to the golf industry, and um, that was where I kind of came up with this vision for Golf Club World. Did you or do you play golf or it was just you just saw a need more in covering this industry? Um, I'm, I, I'm not a golfer, technically. I literally had my first lesson in um, California. Um, actually, it was a friend of Rye's that gave me a three-hour lesson at 7 a.m. Um, so I kind of really don't play golf. I don't write about golf, the game at all. I write about the industry folks in golf, um, and this particular book covers um, uh, people like the owners to the general manager to the um, scientists, the grass superintendents, and then the chef. And I included a uh, recipe section with all the chefs with wine pairing, and that has been the one thing that has been uh, very popular with Golf Club World, and that is what has led to Golf Kitchen. Got it. Well... I know you brought this beautiful, very heavy copy of Golf Club World, and that's um, how many how many different resorts did you cover? Twelve, and so twelve recipes or twelve um, or more. No, there's uh, forty eight industry professionals in Golf Club World from around the world. There is probably four to five recipes per golf club, per chef, per golf club. Excellent. I can't wait to dive into it and thank you and check these recipes. So, so Rye, what about you? How did when did you move to the the U.S.? I moved to the U.S. in 2006. Um, in 2003, my wife and I had opened up uh, Waddington's at Kiganya, a farm-to-table restaurant on my parents' uh, property. Uh, true farm-to-table, you actually have to open a gate to come onto the property with the sign on, <laughs> sign on the gate, please close it, otherwise the cattle will get on the road. Um, and then I was, I was approached by a company called Bondi to help an, open a, an Australian restaurant in the Gaslamp district of San Diego. So I came over uh, as a consultant uh, to do that and did that for three years and thought I was about to move back to Australia and then I was offered a position at Wingfoot. And I've always been a passionate golfer but had never thought about working at a golf club and um, so I've taken that opportunity and that was in uh, 2009 came to Wingfoot 
Got it. So your plan was to go back to Australia, but now are you you're hooked on on the U.S. and uh, we love it. My <laughs> wife and I we love it. It's actually sometimes it feels foreign when we go back to Australia. Um, we can't wait to get back. So we've uh, met a lot of friends here, and there's a lot of Australians in the city, and um, meeting Diana and um, some other Australians up in the Connecticut area. We you know you're never too far from home. Right. Well, how did you two meet? Gosh. Good question. I think it was yeah. through LinkedIn, actually. No, actually, it was... Um, it was like an Aussie LinkedIn group. <laughs> yeah. No, it was actually LinkedIn. Um, when I was researching um, clubs for a golf kitchen, um, I happened to be on LinkedIn one day and saw Colin Burns, um, the general manager of Wingfoot Golf Club, was uh, on LinkedIn, and I went, oh, click... And then I got in touch with Colin, and that was how I met Rye. Yeah, yep. Um, I think, I mean, the relationship that uh, Diane, Diana and I have built over the last two years has been really fantastic and been able to help on the, on the new upcoming uh, book. And Diana's been involved as a photographer when we do our James Beard dinners, and uh, she'll be coming down again this October, which will be exciting. Um, and it's really, it's really good to capture some of those, those moments and... Obviously, it's first-class photography. Thanks, Rye. Um, just, Sherry, just to let you know, Rye is um, extremely talented. So he is the, the first chef that I'm covering in Golf Kitchen, um, and it features six of his recipes um, of, of Rye's choosing, plus a full interview with Rye, and it, it, it really is special. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. And with the James Beard house i read that you were the first chef from a private club to be invited to cook at yeah. the james beer foundation yeah uh which is which is pretty cool i think there's a perception out there that uh and I'm, i had it as well that private clubs and golf clubs have always sort of served mediocre food and um it's a it's a place where people are really just going to play golf and the food's not a, a focus and that's something that we're myself and my team and uh, we have a wonderful team um, have really you know, made a focus of making the food modern. Uh, our members have a choice of eating at any restaurant in New York, so we have to give them a reason to come and dine with us. Um, and one of the initiatives we've, uh, we've done with that is we change our menu every week. And um, it's a busy place. You know, we're doing 400 people for lunch, um, 200 people for dinner and you know that, that's a challenge we change every week but that's what uh, keeps us on our toes and for the young uh, uh, externs and, and the younger staff that gives them an opportunity to learn a lot of new dishes and obviously we get to use all the best seasonal produce available so it's fantastic I'll have to get up there I don't think I've ever been in that part of New York and I'm not a golfer my grandparents played golf and so I, I have been on a course kind of putting around but um Look, More the, of a tennis player. The actual grounds of Wingfoot are just absolutely amazing. I still, I remember the first time I drove through the gates and I was like, wow, this is just spectacular. Um, a lot of tradition at Wingfoot. Uh, we'll be holding the US Open again in 2020, which I believe is the sixth US Open. Uh, we have a USJ four ball event um, coming up uh, in May of next year. So there's a lot happening um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a fantastic place to work. And do you find the the golfers and the people that are dining there they're what are they are they into the farm to table or are they are they you know 
regulars that are coming back and looking for specials and what's new? I mean, are they foodies? The key has been flexible. Um, we've had members that have been members there for 50, 60 years, and then we have a, a, a younger generation of members that are coming through that are much more educated. Um, as an all, you know, we just have to be flexible. There's certain members that come in and they want to have the same dish that they've had for the last 20 years, and, and we'll do our best interpretation of that. Uh, but then for some of the younger ones that we're changing the menu every single week, they love that creativity. They love the fact that they can come in and um, and we've built over the time we've built uh, some trust in them, and you know they'll order anything on the menu now. So it's, that's exciting, and it's it's a good transition too to to see what the uh, the new membership is going to be. Yeah, well, you have celebrities there too. You have like we do. I mean, yeah. Can't talk about that, I imagine. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it sounds really lovely. And um, I know your beer dinner coming up is on uh, October 28th. Uh-huh. Um, what's, what's the menu going to be there? Uh, so we're pairing up with Allegrini Wines um, out of Verona, Italy. And we're sort of doing a, a, a seasonal um, twist on some Italian fare. Um, the James Beard's been a really great experience, not just for myself, but for all my, my team. And uh, Isabella, who uh, runs all the events over there, has just been such a huge supporter. I and did a show with Isabella. Ah, she's the best. Yeah, she's yeah, the best. it feels like it was a while ago, but yeah. she is the best. Yeah, and uh, we've, we've got some really good support from, uh, from our membership, but then also friends of our members. I noticed uh, you had the International Culinary Centre. Uh, Alain Salak has been a, a really, really... Uh, uh, big supporter. Uh, he's the dean of the school, uh, so he comes to all our events. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really exciting. It is. Will you be there? Oh, I certainly will. Photography, definitely in the kitchen. You yes. know they have a kitchen cam now. Yeah, we had that last year. Did we have that? Yeah, we had it last year. It was really cool for my folks and family back in Australia that they could actually actually watch it. Yeah. Well, Diana and I also have have a background of working together with your food photography and working with some of the clients I've worked with and you take amazing pictures I mean the best Thank so you, Sherry. I mean do you, are you still well with the book you're doing I mean what's the difference between shooting golf courses and shooting food I mean is that to me that seems like opposite extremes well, I'm not really a trained golf course photographer. I kind of dabble in that. Is there a lesson in that? Is there a course in college you can take? No. <laughs> I don't know. I've never asked. But I really am um, including a lot of uh, my interests into my future life. Basically, I'm just molding my career into do what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And when I came up with Golf Club World, it took three years and a lot of help from a lot of people um, and thank you to those who know you know who you are um, just to get it printed to the printer and out on the market was really a challenge but I've learned a lot from that and um, Golf Kitchen is really um, this project is really really special and it's exactly what I want to do with my life and then I plan to keep doing that and maybe possibly cover uh, sporting errors around the world in their culinary um, fields as well, to highlight chefs in other fields like, say, polo or, you know, things like that that haven't been covered before. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I like that you think out of the box. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
great. Okay, so we're going to take a little break here and come back to talk a little more with Diana and Rye. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This song is called Jump Rope by the Gingerlies. We'll be right back. to Own the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are food and golf photographer Diana DeLucia and Chef Rye Waddington of Winged Foot Golf Club. The name Winged Foot Golf Club, does that, where, how did, where does that come from? Is that just the, just, do you know? Um, that's a good question. Ah, I stumped you. I didn't mean to. I was it, just thinking about it because it's, that was also... You know, I wasn't. I wasn't sure from when Diana and I were talking pre this show about the name of the golf course. I, I got a little confused. A lot of people think because of our, our logo and so forth that we're attached with the uh, New York Athletic Club because it's a very similar logo. But we're actually not. Um, we had our founding members. Uh, I believe it was 1921. Uh, a group uh, got together and decided they were going to open the club, and um, ever since then. I, you know, it's held so many major tournaments, and it's, uh, I believe, rated the number nine golf uh, course, the West Course, in the country at the moment. And um, it's, uh, we have two courses there, and then the East Course we've just done a, a large renovation on with uh, Gil Hans, and uh, we look to see that one moving up um, the ratings board very soon. Excellent. So how are you guys... What's the process like of working together on this new book? Are you spending, Diana, are you spending lots of time just in the kitchen? Or what's, how does it work? Uh, well, I had originally contacted um, Colin Burns, and he introduced me to Rye. And I already had my concept really, um, you know, tight for this project. I knew exactly what I was doing. Uh, I knew all the avenues of production um, from start to finish. And I knew the clubs that I wanted to include. And um, learning about Rye's background um, was really impressive to me. And since then, I think we've kind of collaborated on several, you know, a couple of projects plus the James Beard. And hopefully... um, And we have a love of wine. Yeah, and a love (laughs) of wine, yeah. Um, (laughs) You didn't have to say that. Um, But... I've spent a lot of time at Winged Foot and I've spent a lot of time with Ryan and some of his family and the connection there is pretty strong. It's great to um, have another Australian to um, bond with as well, but working with Rye um, is not terribly difficult. He's very um, skilled with what he does in the kitchen and he produces uh, top quality um, 
presentations that are very easy to photograph. So when you're talking about food photography as such, um, I, I really enjoy food photography, as you know, but I also get a bit spoiled because I'm used to working with some of the world's best chefs that you know we all know. And it's more of a challenge if, it is, um, if, I, if I'm working with something that's um, less than perfect. That's the challenge for me. But working with Rai is, um, has been a pleasure and I continue to look forward to working with him in the future. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks. How would you describe your cuisine? Uh, well, like I said, we change the menu every single week. So um, it's a lot of it is spur of the moment. Uh, a lot of it is uh, produce-driven, um, uh, vendor-driven. I'm lucky that we have a lot of fantastic vendors who can call me three or four times a week. And I think the, the flexibility of being able to change the menu every week or even every night is I can have a vendor who can call up and say, you know, just got some unbelievable, um, um, whatever the item is, flounder or, or, or so forth in. we got 20 pounds. Do you want it? I said, yep, I'll put on the menu this, you know, tonight, drop it off this afternoon. So having that flexibility is, um, is fantastic. And, you know, it's all, it's all seasonal driven. It's all, it's the stuff that I want to eat. It's the stuff that um, my chef de cuisine, uh, Nick Sorrentino, you know, it's the stuff that we like to eat together. So, Is there anything you've had on the menu that you can't take off? Like the golf, golfer's favorite? Uh... Well, because it's seasonal, um, last fall we were doing a, a literally a breakfast sandwich at night time with uh, seared foie gras and uh, fried egg, and then we did some crispy uh, Brussels sprouts on the side, and even if it wasn't on the menu for a two-month period, it was being ordered every single night, so we just, just had to keep it there. Okay. Mm. No, because that, I think, mm. is a common, a common thing when chefs become known for a certain dish or... It's, you know, become so popular that they take it off and they get the request for it back on. You, you have to put it back on. Yeah, and, and that happens sometimes. And, you know, we have some key dishes that uh, we, we will rotate um, so that, you know, if the member says, you know, I, I was really wanting this, and I'll say, well, it'll be on, on, we can put it on the menu next week or, you know, come back then, and, and they're fine with that. Yeah. I was, I was telling telling you before the show, and Diana knows this because I saw her sister when I was in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, Australia, two and a half years ago. And I, so I found the food culture to be tremendous in Australia. I was really impressed uh, between being in Sydney and Melbourne. And um, so what's your take on American cuisine and what you see here? Do you miss, I mean, is it? Can you is it comparable to what you see happening in Australia? Um, do you miss any certain things here, or uh, you know? I, th- I think at the top level, it's it's um, comparable. Um, one of the things I miss, and although I grew up on a farm, I spent a lot of time in Melbourne, um, is the the Asian influence, the Southeast Asian influence, and and also the Greek influence. Yeah. A lot of people don't realise that Melbourne has the biggest population of Greeks outside of Athens. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, big Lebanese community as well, so it's a real cross-section, and that's what makes Melbourne, and that's what makes Australia what it is, is all these different uh, cultures coming together and, and then fusing together, so it, you know that's exciting, and that's what I'm going back to Australia for Christmas this year, that's what I'm looking forward to, is going down, uh, down um, to Richmond or and you know, having some good uh, good Thai food. 
Because your family is still there. Yeah, we still have okay, the, we the still farm. we still have the restaurant, um, eight hundred and fifty acre farm. And where where is it compared to the cities I've named? So it's three and a half net hours north of Melbourne, heading towards uh, Sydney, right on the Victoria New okay. South Wales border, um, in the Kiwa Valley. Um, beautiful, lush uh, land. You know, my the fa- farm's been in my family for 170 years. That was some of the first people to take the cattle up onto the high country. So. Um, you know we're embedded in that area, and and the farms are very, uh, very, very special place for us. A lot of people don't know it's actually not far from the snowfields in in Australia. You don't think of Australia as a place to go skiing, but uh, yeah, I grew up skiing in the uh, in the Kiwa Valley. No, I don't. Well, I was there in <laughs> February, which is Hot. your your summer. It was yeah. beautiful. Mm. You going back to Australia anytime soon, Diana? Sometime in February for my project for Golf Kitchen. What? How many places are you shooting out there? Um, I'm looking at featuring two Australian courses, but I can't reveal them right at this moment. Okay. <laughs> to be revealed. Yes, to be revealed. <laughs> Where else are you going? All around the world? Um, um, I can kind of tell you some of the places I've already been and, okay. and some of the future ones. Um, included in Golf Kitchen, actually, is a good friend of Rise, is Chef Jose Sanchez out of Tradition Golf Club in La Quinta, in California, which is absolutely stunning, and Jose is very, very, um, very, very skilled at a high level in Mexican cuisine. And there's going to be some beautiful recipes from Jose in there, and including one from his mother, a homemade, I think it's a tortilla, mm-hmm. uh, tortilla, yep. a quant- yep. handmade from scratch, beautiful recipe. Um, and then we go down to um, Richard Lee in Bay Hill. Um, that's the Arnold Palmer's course, and he's also very, very uh, talented in a different way. Um, they have a lot of, like, real golfer's food, but he uses top-quality products. And um, another real special um, club in there is Old Waverley in Mississippi, which is owned by George W. Bryan um, of Bryan Foods. Um, he was uh, Sarah Lee CEO for quite some time. And he has a really impressive um, southern cooking team. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, going back to what Rye was talking about, is um, the difference between the golf private golf clubs globally and the regular restaurants and is what I'm finding as a food photographer and just telling the stories of the kitchens in golf is that they have um, a lot more flexibility in buying their ingredients so they can source the absolute best products and I often feel spoiled traveling around to the the golf club kitchens because they do have a little little bit of an advantage um, as a chef and I think that's like really starting to catch on now and it's not it's not that stigma um, whereas Rai was saying before that you could um, possibly feel not as talented being a golf club chef but that is like totally not the way it is anymore and they are really um stepping up their game um globally yeah i'm i mean that's nice to hear i'm not totally surprised to hear because i think like the quality of food is is uh developing and going beyond traditional kitchens themselves and even or traditional restaurant kitchens and 
there's a lot of chefs now that are, let's say, leaving New York City and going back to their hometown. And there's tons of amazing places opening in all parts of the country and the world. So um, this is something I've never given that much thought to, but now I am, that what's happening in golf resorts and other resorts, as you said, you were looking into other fields to cover. So yeah. It's an exciting time. It really is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A, a little, uh, I'll just touch base. Uh, Jose Sanchez, who is a very good friend of mine from um, Tradition in La Quinta, he came and worked for me for six months at uh, Wingfoot to help me out. And I didn't realize that he was actually a scratch golfer as well. So over, over the course of that six months, I lost a lot of money to Jose. Um, <laughs> but unbelievable... Uh, um, Mexican cuisine that he produces it's just it's nothing like I'd ever tasted before it's absolutely fantastic he's he's very very talented mm. yeah no I'm I'm making note of these chefs <laughs> need to need to travel more and try their restaurants and uh, no it sounds sounds amazing so let me ask you the question I had from my last guest on episode 75 I had on John Winterman he's the managing partner at Batard so he wanted to know, do you find parallels between the discipline and art of golf and the discipline and art of cuisine? Well, I can answer that. Yes, definitely. Um, the thing about golf is that you never perfect it, and I don't think you ever uh, perfect um, or you never stop learning uh, in a kitchen. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of determination and a lot of long hours to, to get good at it and uh, a lot of sacrifices. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there are some parallels. Okay. I would <laughs> think so, too. Good answer. <laughs> all right. We're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back and do my speed round game and talk industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. program was brought to you by s wallace edwards and sons edwards suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color the edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of berkshire pork optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate perfect balance between sweet and salty for more information visit edwardsvaham.com okay we're back this is all in the industry on heritage radio network i'm sherry bayer my guests are photographer diana delucia and chef rye waddington it's time for my speed round game so what this is is i name two things and you pick your preference very easy so here we go eat in or eat out eat out Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting. Tasting. 
Small plates or large plates? Small. Small. You guys are compatible. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Either. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? No preference. No preference, yeah, either. <laughs> Miniature golf or real golf? Real. Real. <laughs> Vegemite, yay or nay? Nay. Yes. Nay. Yes. Oh, we finally yes. have... <laughs> My wife's gonna be my wife's gonna be at home listening to this laughing. She's a Vegemite freak, and I can't. I love I, I'm it. not not a fan at all. That's interesting. I was I wasn't sure. I was thinking you're both gonna be yay on that. Um, how about cheese plate or dessert? Cheese. Yeah, cheese. Last one: Manhattan, Brooklyn, or any place in Australia. Manhattan. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I wonder how many listeners I have in Australia. <laughs> well, I miss my family so a, a lot. Home's always home, but uh, yeah. yeah, New York City is just a fantastic place to live. I love New York. All right. So, you, so you're giving it to Manhattan? I give it to Manhattan. All right. Here, here. You guys are really in sync on these answers, and quick. You got the speed of the speed round. A lot of people don't. Must be the Melbourne thing. It's either the farm thing or the Melbourne thing, because I grew up on a, a farm as well. So I still don't have. I still don't say it right, because I want to say Melbourne, and then you guys, I thought, said Melbourne. Melbourne. But it's not. There's like a little. Yeah, I'll work on it after the show. <laughs> okay, so industry news. New York Times Today, restaurant review of Superiority Burger by Pete Wells. And he gave it two stars. Now, this is chef and owner Brooks Headley's new vegetarian burger place in the East Village. And I actually did one of my solo dining experiences there recently. Um, but what's, so what's interesting, I mean, it's incredible, first of all, that he reviewed this place because it has literally six seats and they're like there's like a little table it's barely it's barely dining in there it's more of a takeout place Mm -hmm. and i all kind of debated even doing it for my solo dining experience because it's not i don't think it's a full-on restaurant it's more as i said like a takeout place so there's been talk online about about whether this this should have been like a pete wells review um I mean, it was. I had an incredible experience. I loved the burger. Uh, Pete actually didn't even love the burger that much. He liked all the vegetable sides and the dessert. So, um, what's your take? <laughs> oh. How many seats does it have to be to be a restaurant? It's a good question. Um, look, I think if you if they've been reviewed, they're obviously doing something well, um, and you know they should keep doing it start small you never know in a couple of months time they may expand and have a 50 60 seat restaurant yeah i think i think um if you're if you're doing well in the restaurant industry whether you're making burgers um i just think you need to the, the pathway to success i think maybe in the future is just to make sure you have the best product that you can you can make your burgers out of that's that would be the way in the future i think to take care yeah. of human beings in general and the, the way the food um, situation is in the world now, we need to try to keep our food supply as pure as we can and keep it out of the hands of the, you know, the, the evil evil ones, I would say, and, and make sure everybody can taste food and remember what food tastes like um, in the future. Yeah. Well, Brooks came from Del Posto, 
four star mm-hmm. del posto um and i think i don't know i saw pete was a little commenting on twitter today about this and saying well it, he thought it was important as a part of the conversation because I and I do think this new this new spot is something big happening in the industry is with focusing on vegetarian food and it's a chef who went from being a pastry chef at a four star restaurant to opening this little veggie burger place. Um, but there was also comments about there's no longer a twenty five and under column in the New York Times where that these sort of like less expensive, more casual places used to go in that column. So since it, that doesn't exist anymore, you know, if you want to review a place, the place to go is into the main restaurant review. Um, so, I mean, I think it's fabulous for them, you know, and, and, and I had a wonderful experience there. So we'll see. I, ha- I have a feeling he's going to spin off more of these. I think it's a great idea. I, I mean, it's healthy. I think you have to. I'm just not sure how you make money off six or seven seats. Um, so, but like, it's a starting point. So, you know, I take my hats off to them to do that. And you know, that cheapest sort of food, actually, you know, if you want to go and get something under that twenty-five dollars, if you think about it, that sort of covers the biggest demographic of the industry anyway. People are always looking for something, um, you know, affordable and, and good quality. True. Yeah, I th- I I agree. Okay, well, congrats to them. And then the, also in the New York Times today, interesting article about Fung Tu, which is a restaurant on the Lower East Side that it, they have their gas turned off. So the, the title of the article is Fung Tu Keeps Cooking Even With Gas Shut Off by Lagaya Michan. And this is something that happened in, in early July where someone, a tenant in the building, uh, smelt a potential gas leak and they turned off the gas and so this is a two-star restaurant that is making ends meet by now using bringing in some some portable uh burners and and kind of the article was very interesting to see how they're dealing with it and they have a lot of blackouts and um they're struggling so what uh, what's your experience with gas or electric or I don't, you know. Working back in Australia uh, in the early part of my career, we used to do a lot of off-site events. Um, and it could be a wedding out in the middle of a paddock and, you know, for two or 300 people. So we sort of, you know, we got used to working off um, mobile propane grills and, and wood grills like that. My only experience here in the U.S. was through um, uh, when Hurricane Sandy came through. Uh, the club we lost power uh, for about a month and that was challenging um, but you just got to make ends meet bills bills don't stop coming in just because the gas is off so again I take my hats off to them to uh, to modify their menu I'm sure and and do what they can to still keep their customers happy yeah absolutely any anything Diana no I was gonna say right how, how long do those the portable gas um, how, do, how long do they last? Uh, how many de- of those do you need to have? It, to? All, it all depends on what you use. You can have some that are actually hooked up to a like a barbecue propane, or you can get the mobile. I think they're called camping ovens. They don't last long. You know that's not that's not suitable. Uh, I was on a recent trip earlier this year down in Jamaica, and actually a lot of the restaurants, the side sort of uh, back street restaurants, are just cooking off the little propane gas cooktops. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, it can be done. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're, they're, I mean, I, hats off to these guys that are making it work. And 
I, I picked up in this article on, on Twitter where Sam Sifton, the food editor at the New York Times, he wrote, running a restaurant is insane. <laughs> and it is. It's hard enough when, you know, you have your gas and everything is running smoothly, but you get thrown these curveballs and you really have to, you know, figure it out. You got to make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. No, chefs are incredible people. <laughs> Super talented. So, okay. So... We're going to take one more break. I'm going to come back to my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is brought to you by One House Hospitality Headhunters. Follow them on Facebook and on Twitter at one underscore house and on Instagram at one house. That is spelled O-N-E-H-A-U-S. So here's the rundown of my solo dinner at Jams. Location, 14146th Avenue at 58th Street in the new One Hotel Central Park in Midtown Manhattan. The concept, a new American restaurant revival from the 1980s. The chef, Jonathan Waxman. Why did I go? Because I wanted to check out this redux of Waxman's original California-style restaurant, a trailblazer in New York when it opened on the Upper East Side in 1984. My experience. After a lovely produce playoff cocktail fundraiser at Betney for Share Strength No Kid Hungry, I was hungry, so I walked around the block to this new restaurant and took a seat at the bar. I had a hard time deciding what to get, as I wanted all of the signature jams items from the original location, but I didn't want to overorder, and my kind bartender, John, patiently helped me decide. So what did I get? Well, I went for all the jam signature dishes, which were the jams pancakes with red pepper, smoked salmon, corn sauce, creme fraiche, and caviar, and the jams chicken with tarragon butter, plus house sparkling water. My take. Both dishes were delicious. The pancakes were jammin', three smallish cakes with tasty toppings, and the chicken was perfectly cooked and had a delectable skin. I finished the pancakes and took half the chicken to go. The scene. Hotel guests and midtown locals. Perfect for anyone craving quality farm fresh food in an airy space. Interesting tidbit Jonathan Waxman is also the chef at West Village's popular neighborhood restaurant Barbuto, where his roast chicken is also a must order. Personal fun fact 
I rarely order chicken in restaurants, but this one is worth it. Next time, I would order it with, with sides, as it doesn't come with any. The cost, $54, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, it's a nice addition to my hood, and I need to try the desserts as well. The website is onehotels.com. That's it. Do you get I haven't been there, but it sounds good. Have you been to Barbudo? Do you know Jonathan Waxman? Um, I have. I have not been there. I believe my wife has been there, and she's spoken very highly of it. Yeah, it's a great. It's a great spot. It's uh, gets. Uh, I know a lot of my foodie friends as a one of their favorites. Yeah. Asked me favorites before at the break. So um, yeah, so it was great. I think it's cool to, to as a revival to bring something back that was so successful in the eighties. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Jeannie Voltsinis. She is a chef concierge at the Viceroy Hotel, the Viceroy New York Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. So she's a concierge. What what shall what do you want to ask her? Um, I'd like to know. Um, maybe you should ask her who her um, most influential mentor is. Ah, I like that question. Thanks. Uh, as a concierge, I just... Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I'd like to know what the difference is working for a, I suppose, a global company like Viceroy opposed to a, 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 a single-unit restaurant um, and what those differences would be. Okay, I'll find out. Because, yeah, your background... Uh, I know she worked at, at the Soho Grand, another hotel, um, big hotel, but yeah. see where else she worked and what, what she thinks. Sounds good. So, great. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, it was fun learning more about the golf world and the food world and how they relate. <laughs> Is there anything anything we missed that you want to add? Um, I, I want to say... Um, a hello to Chef Doug Blair at um, Kiowa's Kasik. I'm going to be there on the 16th, um, finishing up some work we're doing for Golf Kitchen because I, I forgot to mention the amazing Kiowa. And um, I'm looking forward to that very much. And I'd, al- and I'd also very much like to thank my sponsor, uh, Eric Brandt from Brandt Beef. Um, I think in America you say Brandt Beef. Yeah, we definitely say Brandt, or I do. <laughs> um, because without Eric um, and his sponsorship, Golf Kitchen may not be um, possible. Thank you, um, Eric. Yeah, no, your accent brings so much to this show. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys so much. It's been fun. Thank you, Sherry. Um, I'm really proud of you as well. Um, I've watched your career uh, grow over the last seven, eight years, and I can tell you, everybody, she is um, outstanding. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. Glad to know you. I'm glad to meet you, Rye. It's been fantastic. Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks, you. Rye. So I've been speaking with Executive Chef Rye Waddington of Winged Foot Golf Club at Mamaronek, New York. His website is wfgc.com. On Twitter, he's at RyeW and hashtag WFGC. I've also been speaking with food and golf photographer Diana DeLucia of Golf Club World Book and Golf Kitchen coming next year. Her website is golfclubworld.net and on Twitter, golfclubworld and at photographerdd. Did I get 
Did you miss anything? Get all that? Yeah, you got everything. Okay, perfect. Thanks. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry, on Facebook at All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPublicRelations.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes, so you can download our episodes as podcasts and listen to us anywhere, anytime. Thanks to Diana and Rye, my engineer Jack and Liz in the booth, and all of our sponsors and everyone listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.